Welcome to Reality Propaganda. It's me, Muttley, and this is the last show before Christmas special. So, not sure if this week's show is going to be as good as the last one. <laughs> what a show it was. Um, if you missed it, you missed out on something truly special and brilliant. Um, who did we have? Uh, Tom Hanks, Johnny Depp, and Postacoglu all popped in, uh, had a good old chat. Um, so, if you missed out, uh, you missed out on something magnificent, so unlucky you lot. So, uh, actually, before we start, big shout out to Gemma, Princess of the Brand Stuff, Queen Who. So, hi, Gemma. This week, we'll be talking about my special subject, which is all about me, because uh, that's not uh, it's what I know best. In fact, if I was on Mastermind, my special subject wouldn't be on 18th century art or the works of the clash or Spurs greatest moments. Actually, that would be quite a short set of questions. No, my chosen subject would be about me. I can imagine uh, being in the black chair on Mastermind and Clive Myrie would be all serious and I'd be there, focused. Name, Muttley, occupation, all-round entertainer and adorable rogue. Specialist subject, being a cunt. I'd ace through questions. And if he said I'd got one wrong, I don't know. What were you doing on the June 28th, 1998? Shagging. Nope, that's wrong. You were on call. Mm, Clive. I think I know what I was doing. I might have said I was on call, but... If you were there, you would have remembered, Clive. I know what I know because I've done it. That's what I do. Um, that's what I've done. You only know what you know and your reality is based on experience. You know what colour the sky is because you look at it. But try explaining that to someone who's been blind from birth. How difficult would that be? Everyone's realities are based on their own experiences and our imagination. We can imagine walking on the moon. Imagine what it would feel like. But does it taste of cheese? We can only guess. It probably doesn't, but it could. Now, I'm sure that you'll agree with me that I'm a big prick. And what I intend to do is just to explain why I'm like that. Now, there's a word called solipsism, um, which is the philosophy, uh, a theory, that the self is the only thing that could be known and verified. The theory that the self is the only reality. And I wholly subscribe to that view. An alternative way of looking at it is that a person who is solipsistic is so fo focused on their own wants and needs that they don't think about other and other people's feelings at all. And you could say that us solipsists are selfish, self-centered, which I find clearly can't be true because I'm so cool and wonderful. But it is my belief that you only know what you know and that your own reality is your own reality and you can only get these things by experience so just going back to me and why i came about to 
I don't know, think the way I do, behave the way I do. Now, my mum and dad never thought that um, they would be able to have me. Um, previously, my mum had miscarried when I was when when he was a baby boy. Uh, she, she miscarried when she was thirty-two weeks and lost the baby, and they'd never thought that they'd have uh, another chance of having another child. The chances were non-existent. So when I was born. Um, they had this wonderful gift. Uh, my mum was in her early 40s when I was born. My dad was approaching 50. So it was just me and my mum and my dad. And we lived in a small town. Growing up, everything was just so perfect. It was just the three of us. There's no relatives living nearby. And it was just this perfect social family unit. And they absolutely idolised me and I idolised them. To them, I was this perfect child and they only wanted the best for me. And I only wanted to please them. But I also realised that my parents were so much older than all the other kids, mums and dads. And they'd be, why did granddad pick you up from school? I didn't dare tell them that it was actually my dad and not my granddad. And with their age, I became fearful that the older that they were and became, the more chances that they would die sooner. And so with this constant fear that my parents would die, I would pray every night to protect them. I didn't want to be an orphan. I'd seen Oliver too many times. So I had this wonderful, loving childhood I knew lots of stuff like dates of battles and explorers of the world, the ships they sailed on, capital cities. I knew my times table. But what I didn't know was the reasons why 9 times 7 63. I just knew it was 63. I knew it just by that. I knew all the answers, which really is, unless you've got the theory to back it up, it's doesn't really hold that much water and that's the problem if you're given the answers you never have to find things out for yourself everything I had was spoon-fed I was spoiled I never wanted for anything which as I say I had the happiest childhood but not necessarily the best way for mixing with people and the school I went to I was top of my class. I was the brightest in my year and the brightest in the school, which was actually down to the fact that it was a new school and there's only eight children in my class. In fact, we were the only children in the whole of the school. So it didn't actually take much to be the smartest person in the school. So my parents just wanted to protect me. They wrapped me up in cotton wool and... I did my very best to please. If we went somewhere, I would always ask them if they thought I'd been a good boy. I only wanted to be good. Then, uh, when I was, what well, must have been just turned 11, I went to senior school and things started to change. All of a sudden, I was in a school of know, about a thousand kids, um, 30 people in my class, 200 kids in my year. I wasn't the brightest one in the class and certainly wasn't the brightest one anywhere near 
um, in the school. So it was that not fall from grace, but I, I think expectations. My mum and dad both, you know, all thought I was this special kid, but I wasn't. I was just average. And added to that, I was skinny and slightly small for my age, and I had bad eyesight. I'd go around squinting at people, bumping into things and looking vacantly into the distance, which is not great when you're approaching puberty. And I hated not being able to see, but equally I hated wearing glasses. So I became introverted and scared to think or say or have opinions on anything. I'd never needed to have opinions because my mum and dad, they knew best. They would talk about the government and they knew what they were talking about. I didn't need to have views because they're, you know, my parents had opinions. I didn't need to have any. So at school, I felt out of my depth and that every, I felt that everyone was better than me and cooler than me. So I became quiet and reserved and ultimately very, very shy. Um, before each school each morning, I'd try and think of various topics um, I would speak to my friends about. I'd rehearse these lines to make me sound more interesting. But they were just too busy chatting amongst themselves to really listen. And what, what I hated most about at school was, you know, in the, well, I don't know about you, but in English, um, you had to read uh, out loud in class. And I was so petrified. I was so worried that people would laugh at me and make fun of me um, that I'd be this laughing stock. So this first poem is a new one. It's called Pedos at Work. <laughs> Sorry, only joking. Uh, that's a work in progress. Um, thanks for the inspiration, Ethan. Um, oh, I can imagine the disappointment my Belgian fan brace. Yeah, yeah, pedos at work. Sounds great. Can't wait. No, this first one is called Shy. Shy and retiring, a right proper wallflower. I was easily embarrassed, felt the rush of blood to my cheeks, a right royal flush. Never knew what to say, unable to make small talk, was always awkward with strangers. I had nothing interesting to chat about. In preparation, I'd make mental notes of topics and themes to try and slip into conversations. I'd stumble and stutter over words. When asked to speak in class, I'd mutter, head bowed, Speak up, boy! Dreading the moment, being asked to read aloud, avoid the eye contact with the teacher, felt scared and sick, and feel relief if I wasn't picked but knew it would be next time, which just prolonged the agony, making me more and more anxious. Me, oh my, I was born shy. Me, oh my, the reasons why. Me, oh my, flight, not fight. Me, oh my, I was born shy. Me, oh my, I'd sigh and cry. Never wanted to be the centre of attention, avoided confrontation, I was the epitome of introverted, an art, a typical wallflower, a pansy, a daisy, a weed, a greed, a wimp. 
wouldn't say boo to a goose or play fast and loose, timid, self-conscious, afraid to be laughed at, to be the object of ridicule. Everyone else was smarter and cleverer, funnier and happier. I would never stand up for what I believed in, preferred just to sit down, shut up, out of sight, hidden from view because I didn't believe in anything. I didn't have views. Those were only for others. Their opinions mattered. My sense of right and wrong was governed by others. Me, oh my, I was born shy. Me, oh my, the reasons why. Me, oh my, flight, not fight. Me, oh my, I was born shy. Me, oh my, I'd sigh and cry. Me, oh my, I was born shy. Me, oh my, I want to die. I was nice and I was kind. I was good and sensitive. I never lied. But the shyness died. Slowly I changed and became a lesser person. Retiring A right proper wallflower I was easily embarrassed Could feel the rush of blood to the cheeks A right royal flush Never knew what to say To make small talk Summer's over with strangers Another interested to chat In preparations and make mental notes of topics and themes Transcript into conversations
So I grew up and you have to adapt to the realities of your life. I learned to mask my inhibitions, my insecurities. They were still there, hadn't gone away. The same fears and worries, but I would cover them up with bravado. I'd use sarcasm as a way to protect myself. So this is a song that tries to sum it all up and it's called Insecurities. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I greatly appreciate being given the chance to explain myself. This behaviour is both nature and nurture. I'm a product of my environment. I always wanted to fit in, to belong. I wanted to be liked. Believe me, I tried and I'm still trying. But you're never taught how to do that at school. To be cool or be the fool. I would like this to go on record. I never got my reward, my just desserts. I was socially awkward, scared to say the wrong thing. I was worried I'd upset people, that they wouldn't like me, wouldn't want to be with me, near me, hold me, love me. Never wanted respect, only to be loved. Wanted to be popular, frightened to be alone, rehearsed what I would say, learnt the words but never knew what they meant, and still don't, but I'm learning. Give me time and I will change, I'm doing the best I can. So I built this wall as protection for my isolation, my construction is my destruction, sarcasm used as a defensive mechanism, put you down first before you did it to me. No thanks, I'm too cool to dance, just an arrogant stance. Insecurities don't pity me, it's just the way it has to be. Insecurities surround me, insecurities hamper me. Oh, just let me be me, let me be me. Insecurities don't pity me, accept me for what I am. Don't mean to be rude or crude, produced an image that is not representative. I'm overly sensitive, I care and want to share, but I have nothing to give, harsh and cruel to be the fool, joker with no humour, so I'm sorry if I caused offence, and in my defence it's just me and my insecurities, all of this is an excuse to kill the truth for reasons to remain aloof. Insecurities. 
memories, surround me insecurities. So just let me be. Insecurities Come on, me. Thank you 
so uh, going back to solipsism, uh, it may sound selfish, but if the only truth is what you know, why don't you just try and seek out more truths? Try and understand people, how the world works. Understand the realities, people's motives, why they act the way they do. Don't rely on second-hand information. Find out first-hand. Go to the source. Form opinions that your own. Don't be a sheep. Question everything. Don't surround yourself with like-minded people. Be challenged. Be provoked into thinking about the world we live in. Expand your mind to be open to new ideas. How many times do you go to a meeting and come out of it with a different perception from someone else? Oh, I thought that was great. Well, I thought it was crap. Know your own mind. Know your reality. Know your own propaganda. This is called Propaganda Reality. Are you so surprised? You think that this is propaganda? Something new?
I mentioned about not surrounding yourself with like-minded people and there's this book by Nick Hornby called Fever Pitch and it's about football and his love for Arsenal yeah okay but in it he tells about getting a girlfriend who wasn't into football but she starts going out with him and starts going to football with him and she gets into it and supporting Arsenal poor girl but she soon starts talking tactics and developing a real love for the game and the team. Which sounds great, but he starts to resent it. Arsenal was his team first. He was now having to share it. And he started to just resent her about it. And I totally get it because... Things that are personal to an individual, and then all of a sudden, there's this outsider gate-crashing your own dreams and ideas. Anyway, they get married, and the book has an unhappy ending with Arsenal winning the league in dramatic circumstances. But you get the point. If we all felt the same way about things in life, it, life could be end up being very boring, so listen to other people's ideas expand your mind this is called my dreams and my dreams are better than your dreams
Sam was in Amsterdam last week and when he got back he was telling me about all the tourists just posing for selfies in the Van Gogh Museum and how annoyed he got and I totally got what he was saying because people not switched on people like us lot but people who only go to places to say that they've been there and I know, not look at the art. It's like it's some bucket list. You know, they need to go to um, the Van Gogh Museum, go to see Sunflower's picture, click, cross off, move on to the next one. You know, all these people go to places just for the sake of going for places. Tick, cross it off the list. And going places and experiencing things should be about learning getting something from that experience as the fun boy free said it ain't what you do it's the way that you do it it's actually true that um simon armitage did a poem which was a derivation of you know that fun boy three song it ain't what you do but he called it it ain't what you do it's what it does to you and how you can experience something like that, like walking barefoot in the Taj Mahal. But equally, you can go get a more rewarding experience by walking in the Lake District. It doesn't matter where you go. It's where you go and what it does to you, what you get out of that personal experience. And that's what counts in life. This last poem is called Exhibition. There's no music to it. I've tried many times to get the, the right music for this. But this is how I see things. Um, my attitude to people, what they want, what they give back. It's called Exhibition. You want war? I'll give you war. You want dreams? I'll give you dreams. You want hope? I'll give you hope. You want blood? I'll give you blood. You want love? I'll give you love. You want clean air, mountains, blue skies, fresh running water running gently down the sides, peaceful meadows, animals roaming quietly, clear seas of blue and green, nature at peace and harmony. You want the night so black and cold, harder and steel, longer than your dreams, a darkness of infinity, where lovers entwine forever, violins and wine, and a sleep till last, till the dawn that may never arrive. You want the hate that pulses deep inside, that boils and burns, paining to escape, anger that leads to bigotry, prejudice and ignorance, turning man against man, inside and out, that causes wars that can never be explained. You want the touch of my hand upon your face, to soothe your tortured skin, smooth away the torment and the pressure, to hold you in my arms again, and shelter and protect against the evils that we make. You want war, I'll give you war. You want dreams, I'll give you dreams. You want hope, I'll give you hope. You want blood, 
I'll give you blood. You want love, I'll give you love. You want drugs to escape this madness, something to enjoy, to shut out the world. So personal, so real a feeling, to forget the pain, misery and disease. This madman's cure that we've created. You want murder to justify revenge, the slaughter of babes because of a sign, death of unbelievers, non-believers of a faith in your eyes. Harness destruction in the name of life. Embrace atrocity because of a name. You want war, I'll give you my war. You want dreams, I'll give you my dreams. You want hope, I'll give you my hope. You want blood, I'll give you my blood. You want love, I'll give you my love. You decide. You decide. Cheers all. Till next week. Take care. Love you all. Ta-da.